So Ben, yes, I was at the Walmart the other day buying some creatine because I'm classy and I'm swole. Oh man, getting jocked. Oh well, yeah, you know, I do what I do. So as I, I walk into the the supplement aisle, I see a guy in uh, an Ed Hardy shirt and <laughs> some of those like crazy ass mid-2000s jeans that dudes wore that had, like, crosses and shit all over them. Oh, hell yeah. And he he had, like, a bunch of tattoos, but, like, obviously had not gotten a new tattoo in a long time. (laughs) I also imagine him holding, like, a huge box of dong bags, for sure, just stocking (laughs) up for the weekend. Not not yet. Uh... (laughs) I grabbed the creatine and the and the guy goes, uh, hey, does that work? And uh, I, I took out my earbud and I was like, uh, yeah, man, I use it all the time. And he grabbed it and he just started intently reading it. And I was like, all right. And just walked on and kept doing my shopping. Yeah. And uh, a few minutes later, I see him on the other side of the store still reading this creatine bottle and i know (laughs) so much what was going on with this man without him saying a word to me he i am positive is about to get divorced and i am not sure that his wife knows yet (laughs) oh man but he wants to get like in top form for his second time being a bachelor is what you're saying yeah and here's why here's why i think his wife doesn't know yet because he hasn't bought new clothes Oh, okay. He's, yeah. he's using the old clothes from before they got together, but they're the clothes that attracted her, so he's thinking they'll still work, but I can't go out buying new clothes because she'll catch on. <laughs> Meanwhile, the old thread still got it, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so he's picking up this creatine thing and like, this is going to do it. Like, yeah, I'm 45, sure, but the 20-year-olds on Tinder won't notice if I'm jacked. Uh, and he was just reading this creatine like so intently like it was gonna say like here's the address for the pussy just go here (laughs) set gps coordinates to pussy town usa he had no follow-up questions to does that work like i i would have been like you know in in addition to diet and exercise yes not just drink that and you're good, bro. <laughs> but I, he's sold. He's sold on creatine. I think if you would have stuck around there a minute longer, he would have been like, how does it taste mixed with Jaeger bombs? That's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this dude is going out. He's, you know the last time he went out, like, Travis Barker was his idol. Because right, he had, yeah. like, the neck tattoos and stuff. Like, he's obviously going for that mid-2000s like i'm hot thing but it is not going to sell well oh bless his heart man bless his heart poor wife that is getting rid of some baggage though so actually way to go her (laughs) you go girl you live your best life queen welcome dead and lovely listeners to the most jacked the most buff horror movie review podcast in the known multiverse and beyond, 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 it's dead and lovely. Here with the host with the most is me, your swole buddy, Uncle Ben. And me, Hollywood Steve. Yeah, and we're here today to be talking about 
Reanimator, catching up, talking about our weeks, enjoying a code beer, answering some vital questions from you, our dead and lovely listeners, and all kinds of other good stuff. But if you're the kind of schmo that wants to get straight on to the movie review to find out if you should watch Reanimator, in a word, yes. But if yeah. you want to get straight to the review portion, there's a timestamp just for you and others like you in the podcast description. So go for it. Sh- should I watch a classic? horror movie i don't know i'm not really sure maybe this podcast will tell me if it's good that's you jump to your time stamp and find out dweebazoid (laughs) bozo got him don't worry (laughs) how you been doing this week steve (laughs) i mean i've been pretty good i've been pretty good uh though uh spring's a little kick in my ass i've been having the the sinus pressure and whatnot but um Aside from that, Sinus man. pressure pushing down <laughs> on me. It's like that, right? Yeah. Uh, other than that, man, I've just been I've been kicking it. I've been getting into kimchi. Oh, you've been chiing, huh? Channeling yeah. your chi energy. Yeah, just throwing kimchi on everything, man. It's it's awesome. You put that stuff on a dick. <laughs> what? It, what? I mean, what? Am I eating that? Like I'm actually like eating it? It's cooked. <laughs> Is it cooked? Dahmer style, yeah, it's, you know. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, because, like, I was just thinking, like, if you were performing fellatio, like, kimchi's not, like, a condiment <laughs> as much as it's... <laughs> the topping. Yeah, so, like, I mean, you could. It'd be hard to, like, balance it on top, yeah, I think, yeah. would be the problem. And then, God forbid, if it gets in the hole, things are going south oh. fast. Ooh, ooh. Don't want that. So No, sir. So, no, I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> but anything else, you're probably okay. Yeah, but man, it's it's just great on everything. I uh, I I I put it on a burger because uh, I didn't have pickles, and I was like, hey, you know, kind of pickly. Um, yeah. So it it entirely blew my mind because it, it it gives you the texture you're gonna get from like a lettuce, but like lettuce is just kind of boring most of the time. You know, mm-hmm. it's just there for the crunch. It's not really... It's crunchy water, yeah. Yeah, but uh, the kimchi gives you the crunch, but it's also got all those awesome flavors going on and does do a good job of replacing, you know, the the, the pickle in, in the uh, the burger configuration. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've just started putting it on everything. I just, uh, a little bit before we started recording, had some with a, a, a salmon. I made a kimchi butter. To put Ooh, on salmon and damn it was awesome dude i'll tell you what i found a new food addiction this week and this is totally one of those deals where like targeted you know instagram marketing and stuff totally worked because i was advertised this shit and uh i told kate i was like buy this now i sent her the link <laughs> i got some of that fly by jing um szechuan chili crisp it's basically like kind of chili oil with Preserved mm-hmm. black beans and crispy chilies and shit in it. Holy fuck. Have you had this stuff? I've had chili crisps. Dude. Oh yeah, my god. This this oil scenario is just insane. I want to put it on like everything. They even recommend that you put it on like vanilla ice cream. And I'm like, sign me up. Okay. I'm good for it. <laughs> it doesn't recommend putting it on a dick, so I'm not gonna try that. <laughs> so, I think we should in the future, anytime we talk about any sort of condiment or topping, we should refer back to whether or not we think it goes on a dick. 
That's true. And yeah. maybe if we start talking about it enough and it enters like, you know, the the general societal zeitgeist and people start talking about this, they'll have to start putting like warning labels on everyday <laughs> condiments and stuff. Recommended for dick topping, not recommended for <laughs> not dick topping. Re- not it's got recommended, like yeah. A dong with like a red, red circle and like an X around it. Like, no, not yeah. for this use. You buy hot fudge and it's like, well, like, kind of, like, I mean, if you don't heat it up, then okay, put it on a dick. But if you heat it up, <laughs> let it cool down a little bit before you put it on a dick. Yeah, like, the warnings would get out of Very hand. specific. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love finding a new good old food addiction. I think I'm going to be putting that stuff on just about yeah, that's everything, awesome, man. man. I'll tell you what, dude. Like, I've had two frustrating Tuesdays in a row and I don't know what's wow. going on with the universe man what's a, what's the deal with these Tuesdays you've had two frustrating Tuesdays two for Tuesday so two for Tuesday fuck yeah. you're right I forgot so, about that rule next week you should be fine okay that's right because it's not three for Tuesday unless it's a double block back to back two oh, for Tuesday oh my god <laughs> no I can't take anymore man yeah like last week my phone died I unexpectedly had to go get a new phone and there's some frustration there and then today I was like, I'm going to go buy a new car. And it turns out they never sent me the title to my old car from 17 years ago when I paid the fucking thing off. That's so, wild. yeah, just just little frustrations and stuff like that, man. So, yeah, hopefully next Tuesday is going to be a little bit more laid back. We'll find out about it, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I, I said this was a good week, but I just remembered that uh, th- uh, this week DMX died that's true X there not gonna give some, it to him no more yeah there was there was some negativity this week uh, I think it was kind of balanced out by Prince Philip dying though right Where it was like <laughs> well at least that dude's gone you know yeah <laughs> I, hope, I hope that was like DMX last wish like I hope that you know, as yeah. DMX was like, you know, because he he had a little bit in a coma there before he before he passed. I hope there was like a, uh, it's a wonderful life type of scenario going on where an angel yeah. was showing him like how awesome he was, and he was like, yeah, man, I know. Uh, and then the angel was like, all right, cool. So here's a little thing people don't know about, but you can take one person with you. Yeah, you get one wish. Prince Philip, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Rough Riders roll. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think you might be onto something right there, man. You might be right about that. So RIP DMX. Uh, other than that, though, as I said, great week for me. Word, man. I got my first COVID shot last week. Oh, right. That did just happen. That's right, it did. I went there and I got my first 5G upgrade and now dude i am decked out in all the microsoft gear i got all the products rolling in i'm ready to upgrade and integrate into the microsoft matrix now it was honestly like not a big deal i was actually like kind of worried about it because i'm sort of a sort of a hypochondriac and shit anyway oh really so yeah yeah, i haven't i haven't haven't heard about that yeah never right you're not like a worried about getting shots or anything or (laughs) (laughs) not unless the jaeger shots that's right actually i did unironically buy a bottle of jaeger this week too and i've just been sipping on it and it's a delight all right well (laughs) there you go wait do you think that's an effect of the shot it might be yeah Yeah. that might be (laughs) but honestly like it wasn't any any big deal like i was kind of worried about it and stuff and like 
got it that morning and I didn't drink anything the night before. Yeah. I got a good night's rest. We got the shot in the morning and I pounded water like a maniac all day. Like I think I probably had like at least four liters of water plus like coconut water and just all kinds of stuff. And is that I was fine, man. Was that is that like particularly recommended? A lot of water? Dude, I had heard some people recommend it, but you know how it is with all this shit, dude. It's like there's no clear information about anything when you go on the internet, but I was like, well, it definitely couldn't hurt to stay yeah, super no, hydrated. Yeah, no, definitely. You go in too hydrated and they're like, all right, sir, get the hell out of here. What is <laughs> they this? They stick you with the shot and you just shoot water out of your body like a fucking <laughs> water balloon. What have you done, sir? You must leave right now. <laughs> <laughs> You've embarrassed us all. <laughs> You've embarrassed yourself. Yeah, I, I get the uh, the second shot two days from now. Nice. And uh, I, I'm excited, but also uh, that, that second shot, I hear's the doozy. So yeah, I'm not I've excited heard some for folks. maybe that little bit of an ass kicking. Yeah, yeah. I, I had like a very minor headache that day, but who, yeah. who the fuck knows? Like it could be completely unrelated. But yeah, for me, first shot, no big deal. I got that other one scheduled for the end of the month, so... We'll just find out how that goes, and hopefully we'll be recording back in person and having ourselves a good old time, just like the old days before too terribly long, man. You been watching any good pelliculas this week? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've been, uh, I've been getting down with some good stuff, man. I watched the Blob uh, remake from 1988. Cause, oh, uh, man. Yeah, they, they, they uh, talked about it on Jack of All Graves, and I was like, I can't remember that movie. Mm-hmm. So I sat down and started watching it and it all started coming back and I was like, holy shit, I forgot how awesome this is. I've never seen it, man, but like I've seen a bunch of like little clips of some of the special effects and stuff from it uh-huh. and they look unbelievable. It's I gotta watch it, man. It's super rad. Yeah, I highly recommend uh, checking that out. Uh, also watched a movie on Shudder called The Power. The Power. The Power. It's from this year. It... um. Please tell me it's about the power team from back in our early, early <laughs> youths where we watch super jacked, roided out dudes uh, smash blocks of ice and break yeah. baseball bats over the knees in the name of the Lord. I kick Bobby ass for Bowden's the Lord. Boys. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Is I it about them? Well, that would have been amazing. Honestly, if like... <laughs> It was about like the power team uh, died. They all died in one house and they haunted that house. Oh or my That'd god, dude. Every time you bring a baseball bat home, it gets broken. Every time you reach for ice <laughs> in the freezer, it's always crushed ice. I swear I sent it to Cubes. What's going on here? <laughs> Could someone get me a water bottle? What? They've all exploded. I need to call the police. Let me get the phone book. It's been ripped in half. <laughs> well, I guess I could still find the police's number. <laughs> <laughs> I want that movie, dude. Fucking sign me up. Trademark Dead Lovely right now. We're writing this script, motherfuckers. Oh, by the way, okay, so uh, the power team. I remember, I believe it was Beekman's World. Uh, Do you remember Beekman's World? It was a science show that came on Saturday mornings Mm -hmm, on NBC. mm -hmm. Uh, I I believe it was Beekman's World. It may have been Bill Nye, the science guy. They they showed how to rip a phone book in half. Right, and as yeah. a seven-year-old, I could rip a phone book in half. You yeah, don't I, I have did to be too. strong to do it. Uh huh. It was a one page at a time. You got to like Basically, kind of like yeah. slant the pages yeah. so that you're essentially ripping through one at a time, and it's really yeah, not yeah. that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. So take that power team. 
Yeah, fuck you. Uh, but yeah, the power uh, is about uh, it's uh, basically the setup is a uh, uh, nurse in England in 1974 starts working in a hospital that they're basically moving out of the building and also because of uh, power shortages or whatever they're having like uh rolling blackouts or whatever so okay uh it's a big empty building that's dark uh type of story that like when it was that it was really good and then it got really messagey at the end in a way that was like in no way subtle like <laughs> was it like watching the power team <laughs> it's kind of like watching the power team yeah. like power of jesus christ ah! <laughs> um no i just kind of like because it had been really subtle up to that point but then it just kind of lost all that but it, it was still well worth a watch okay all right. and i also watched a little movie called honey i shrunk the kids Oh, I've heard of that one right there. Yeah. I believe I've seen that one a time or two. Yeah, I, I I used to love it as a kid, and I hadn't seen it in a long time. But in researching for Reanimator, I was reminded that Stuart Gordon and Brian Yuzna wrote Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And it was originally meant to be directed by Stuart Gordon. That would have been a very different movie. You texted me that that was like, you know kind of conceived by those dudes and i was like you're kidding right i had no clue that they (laughs) were kind of at the helm on that thing man like why wasn't there a scene where the kids and um their their aunt like the the big aunt that helps them out and the scorpions Uh and stuff all like fuck and merge into a big blob (laughs) creature like where was that scene yeah i think he you know what i bet was gonna happen that was Brian Yuzna probably had it planned out to where, like, there was going to be a sequel called Honey, I Fucked the Kids. Oh, no. What? <laughs> and the family just merges into a big shunt. I think that was the plan oh, originally. Oh, no. <laughs> Honey, I Fucked the Kids. Uh, I think... <laughs> so, watching... Okay, like, just researching it a little bit, because, I, I mean, you know, we're not... Uh, we're not uh, reviewing Honey, I Shrank the Kids, so I didn't spend a ton of time on it. But researching it a little bit, it, was, uh, it seemed like it wasn't going to be very weird, honestly. Hmm. The original title they had was Teeny Weenies. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think okay. they were just going to make a, a children's movie. And I, you know, I think we pretty much got it. I I don't know. Maybe Stuart Gordon had some some wild ass ideas, but it was a Disney movie, so I I doubt it, right? I'll tell you what, man. Your revelation of teeny weenies, and then my prediction of Honey, I fucked the kids, is now making me extremely uncomfortable with this conversation. <laughs> oh no! Really uncomfortable. Oh, no. no, not liking oh. where this is going. Retreat, retreat. Yeah. Teeny, I didn't think about it. Yeah, Teeny Weenies is really gross. Oh, <laughs> oh <fuck>. no. <laughs> we went and spoiled it, man. But that is a movie that I watched like a million times when I was a kid. I remember seeing that in the theaters and just not even believing what I was seeing on screen. They built those gigantic sets and like the blades of grass and all the bugs yeah. and stuff. Yeah, it was it's so really cool. weird and so cool, man. Yeah, it's really weird. It, um, it, 
still looks good uh minus the you know the ant and the the scorpion you know because it's early cgi sort of stuff it doesn't look too bad but it it doesn't you know it it looks not as good as all the other stuff that's all these practical sets and things around them um so but i do get it would be real hard to make (laughs) a very good practical huge ant and they did have some practical like ant bits because like the kids get up on the ant and stuff so like you know but they they did some good shots where it's like obviously they didn't build a whole ant uh but the practical stuff still looks great i need to rewatch that one it's been a really long time since i seen it yeah yeah it's worth a rewatch rick Rick moranis uh is always fun we got matt frewer in there it's a yeah, it's it's a it's a fun movie. Word, man. What have you been watching, Ben? I've been watching a thing or two. I've got a couple of things I've watched this week, so I'm gonna try to breeze through them nice and easy, like and not take okay. up your day. Steve, I know you got things to do. I can't be hassling <laughs> yeah. you with super, all these things I've right been now. watching, man. So I'm gonna try to take it easy on you. All right. Okay. Let's hear it. Continuing from our Patreon exclusive episode, which you can hear mm-hmm. if you support the podcast on any level over on our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. That's right. We did a Patreon only episode of our other show, TV Test Pilots, where uh, I watched the first episode of WandaVision and I liked it so much that we've been watching more of it. And I'll tell you what, it's fucking awesome. I'm yeah. really, really yeah. enjoying it, man. Yeah, I think uh, uh, maybe we'll have to do a follow-up episode when you finish. Yeah. Just uh, talk about the whole season because, um, you know, I, I thought about it when we when I was, like, watching the first episode to get into it. It's like, there's not a lot you can say <laughs> when you just talk about the first episode here. Oh, I get it now, yeah. Yeah, there, there's so much more going on. But, yeah, uh, really, really fun show. I've I've been uh, watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and let me tell you, I'm a little conflicted about it. Oh yeah. The main conflict is basically that they've uh, created an Antifa analog that is exactly what conservatives say Antifa is. <laughs> so they're but, eating babies and just tearing well, up kinda, everything. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Like they they have these moments where they try to show them as like sympathetic but then like seconds later it's like absolutely unsympathetic and it's like come on like eh, did they have to make him ask for seconds on the baby again right yeah Yeah. but it's also doing some cool stuff with um captain america and whatnot but yeah i'm I'm oh and zemo's in it and um that guy who plays zemo is great yeah i really like him yeah and they've done some cool stuff with him and also the it has some connections to Black Panther as well. So oh. it's got some good stuff in there. But uh, I, I wonder where it's going. It, it might get more sympathetic, the portrayal, and more like... Because it does seem maybe to go that way. But it, it still has shown... It, it, it does that thing like that uh, seems to always happen whenever you have a leftist organization where they are simultaneously the least powerful group and the most powerful group where it's like <laughs> they're talked about as like weak and ineffectual and everything they do is useless and stupid but also we have to watch out for them because they'll kill everybody and they have all the power in the government and 
everything is theirs and we have to run oh no the antifers <laughs> it, it's a little eh. so i, I wonder okay. where it's going though it, 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 there's there's a lot to be revealed st- still and maybe maybe it'll get better okay well i'm sure i'll watch it at some point just because yeah, i gotta stay on top of the marvel yeah, stuff sure. you know what else you been watching also watched the new Notorious B.I.G. documentary that's on Netflix, Biggie, I Got a Story to Tell, and it was fantastically well done. Have you watched that? Uh, no. Man, it's really, really good, man. They got all kinds of interviews from, like, people in his family and people that knew him when he was mm-hmm. a kid and stuff, and they have all these, like, really old school, like, on-the-streets rap battle, like, footage and stuff that they put in there from back uh-huh. when he was, like, a kid, and... It's awesome, man. Really good watch. I enjoyed that a lot. Um, on a little bit more serious note, over on the YouTube page of the Try Guys, which I, I talk about the Try Guys all the time because I think they just put out really great YouTube content. Um, one of the Try Guys is Eugene, who is a, a American-Asian dude, and he did an entire episode. It's like an hour long about the history of like basically Asian hate in America and the world uh-huh. at large and stuff. Of course, in response to recent events and everything. Yeah. And it is a really, really, really good and informative watch. I, I really can't recommend it enough. Okay. It's um, it's not just like a big, you know, I don't know. Like, I kind of went into it thinking like, man, this is going to be super heavy and really bum me out and stuff. And don't get me wrong, it does. Uh, right. But it's so well put together and flows so well and you learn so much that it's like very engaging at the same time and again it's on youtube so it's fucking free so take some time and give it a watch and learn something uh because the history of of you know asian racism and stuff in the states i think is very very underplayed and this goes a long way to describe how ingrained in society it is uh it's interesting it's a good watch i recommend checking that thing out yeah asia asian racism has been portrayed in film a lot without comment like yeah it's always just been like and not it's never i mean sometimes it has been but almost always it's been the filmmaker being like yeah that's what asian people do right like it really is it's like just like this like blind spot of racism of just like obviously no thought was put into this portrayal whatsoever. It was yeah. just throw everything you've ever heard about any Asian person. Asia, again, a, a continent. Uh, tons of different countries, tons of different cultures, tons of different languages. Massively <laughs> diverse, yeah. Yeah, and we're, we're talking Asian hate. We're talking about people who just, anybody from that area, the entire continent, they're they're like, yeah, those all the same people. <laughs> a billion yeah. people in India, a billion people in China, all the same. I'm somehow. sure I hate all of them and that they're all the same. Yeah. So just moving yeah. on. Yeah, yeah it, it's a really good insane. watch, man. I recommend checking that out. Uh, over the weekend, watched WrestleMania. Was this WrestleMania 37? Because it started in 84. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so WrestleMania mm-hmm. 37. It was a two-night event over in Florida. And I'll tell you what. Some pretty entertaining shit, and I actually think I had a better time watching Night 1 than Night 2. Of course, Night 2 is where you got all the big, super, supremely yeah. huge matches and stuff like that, but man, Night 1 had some really good shit in it, and it was awesome to see... I don't think this is spoilers or anything like that. It was awesome to see it capped off with Knoxvillian, 
Bianca mm-hmm. Belair yeah. winning the women's uh, championship title belt. And that match was fucking awesome. She's she great. She is a yeah. badass, dude. Mm-hmm. Holy yeah. shit. She is strong as uh-huh. fuck. That match was killer, dude. I think yeah. that they had they had more moves and bumps in that one match than like any WrestleMania from, you know, 1984 to like 2000 <laughs> combined. I don't even know who she was, she was with in the match. Who was it? I cannot remember her name, so I'm glad that you asked. Because I don't say all that on top of, of like, you know, watching wrestling all the time. I'll just kind of watch the big stuff, you know? I'll just get uh, Bill Gates Jr. on it real quick. Yeah, Bill Gates Jr. Fuzzbead. Somebody. Somebody <laughs> find out about it. Uh, but it was a really, really great match, man. And there's some other good stuff in there, too. Oh, so Fuzzby just got back to me and said that Bianca Belair beat Sasha Banks. And Sasha Banks is fucking awesome. So obviously that would be wow. a great uh, match. Yeah. I, yes, yeah, indeed I haven't it watched it. I got to check it out. Yeah, definitely do that, man. It was a good old fun time and cool to see Knoxville represented. Yeah, it's awesome. Night number two uh, was honestly less good. There were some cool matches and stuff in there. And... Uh, you know, one of them was with The Fiend, which featured, as you pointed out to me and we were talking earlier, some very special Tom Savini makeup. There's your horror connection right there, y'all. Tom Savini getting his mitts in the Razzlin world. Yeah, Tom Savini, uh, he designed The Fiend's mask. He also did uh, Alexa Bliss's makeup and stuff for the for WrestleMania. Really cool stuff, man. It was cool, man. The match itself was kind of a snoozer, honestly, but those aspects did look good. And I'll tell you what, Steve, I watched one other thing this week that I want to talk to you about because it seems like a lot of other people have been talking about this. I watched a movie what featured a giant lizard Uh and a giant monkey. And they was fighting <laughs> and tearing up the city in Godzilla versus Kong, which I mistakenly was watching as a sequel to Kramer versus Kramer. Very different storylines. I had a hard time seeing the connection at first, but then I just went with it. You watched this last week. What did you think about it? Uh, I thought that the the fight scenes were great, and that's all I paid attention to. Absolutely. I looked yeah. down at my phone the rest of the time, because why would I look up? What you is know what? the point? That's kind of the thing, and I think that that's the mistake that I made. It's kind of like when you're like watching for an eclipse, and it's just like, don't stare at it the whole time. You're just there yeah. for one little, little cool part. You don't have to yeah, stare like, at the sun oh, the rest cool. of the time. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh, we just watched the whole thing, and you're right. The fight scenes and stuff were really cool. Yep. And then all the stuff in between it was, like, really boring. Like, yeah, there was really so much just, like, dude, there's so much of them trying to explain the science of how everything is going on. And like, well, this, this is, is happening this because is happening. of... Right, yeah. yeah, and it's like, I don't fucking care. Like, you're talking about a movie with a giant, like, 600-foot fucking laser breath shooting lizard dinosaur <laughs> god and like a fucking yes. 500 tall gorilla like i don't give a fuck about the science have fun like and i said this about godzilla king of the monsters too i was like this would be better if it was dumber yeah just make yeah. it dumber make it dumber yep the fights were great and that yeah. was awesome and that's all that needed to happen they didn't need any explanation i i love seeing rebecca hall She's uh, a gorgeous lady, and she's Mm -hmm. a great actress. They had great actors and actresses in it. It's just, what are are they working with, you know? 
Yep. Should have been doing dumber stuff, man. Dumber stuff would have been better. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Also didn't like that Mecha Godzilla looked like he had been like in the gym and fucking cutting carbs and stuff. He was kind of a skinny Mecha Godzilla, <laughs> and I didn't like how that looked, man. Robots don't eat no carbs, I guess. I, I don't think robots eat much, do they? Just nuts and bolts, really. Well, if you'll remember that uh, SNL Old Glory robot insurance commercial from uh, from back in the day, I don't. remember? Oh my God, it's the best, dude! It's about yeah, it's about medical insurance for old people against robots because the robots eat the old people's pills for fuel. Oh, and it just shows I like a robot throwing okay, the pills in yes, his face, yes. and that old lady's like, "I don't know why the scientists keep making them." <laughs> <laughs> So I guess he just eats pills. Maybe he's on that creatine. I don't know. Hey, uh, I mean, yeah, that'll that'll get you zooted. No, no. <laughs> I don't know. Is it? Is that no, something that the won't. kids say? So yeah, yeah. That uh, yeah, that 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 Kong versus the the Godzilla. I mean, uh, yeah, just more fights and less movie. It could have been an hour. They could have just had it a bunch been of an fights, hour, dude. And I'll tell you what, though, man. Because I sat here and I watched this movie thinking, man, this would be better if it was dumber and just featured more big fights and stuff destroying cities. I'll tell you what we did the very next day. Would we you put on a movie that is at least 200% dumber and okay. features at least 400% more giant okay. things fighting, brutalizing each other, destroying cities. It also features, I'm going to say, a 1,000% less science. It also features... A fucking Charlie Day in there. You've got Ron Perlman. You've got a boat sword being used by a giant robot. Of course I'm talking about Pacific Rim, which is undoubtedly a million times better of a movie. Steve, I don't know why you don't like Pacific Rim. It's terrible. That's no, why. it's not. It's absolutely terrible. There's nuts, nothing dude. fun about it. Nothing what is about not it is fun, fun about Dude, a giant robot using a boat as a sword? Are you kidding? You may have been watching it the correct way, which is not paying attention to it, because they do a whole lot of trying to explain shit all the time in that movie. Uh, I mean, there's a little bit of stuff with the neural, the neural drift and all that kind bit. of jazz. It's like the entire crux of the movie that they but dude, keep talking I'm telling about. You, when you watch the movie, it really honestly feels like you're watching a movie that was based on a really awesome Capcom video game that never got made. Like all of those characters, like the fucking, there's the two Russians and then there's like the Japanese triplet dudes or Chinese triplet guys that like operate that three armored mech and all that shit. Like, uh-huh. this is a fucking sick Capcom game from the 90s, and they just went ahead and made a, a movie about it. It's a sick character design of a game that probably would be half as fun as the box art and three quarters as fun as you imagine it is in the future when you think back on it. That's the fun about nostalgia, Steve. It's fine. I guarantee, I like, I, I <laughs> sat, like, I wanted Pacific Rim to be good. I didn't start watching it thinking like, huh, this piece of shit. I was like, fucking <laughs> awesome, fighting robots and shit. I will tell you this. I have never been madder at a movie than when You're those crazy. two people were willing to die in the vacuum of space rather than use a sword. 
that could have led with the sword. It's true. You could have started with sword. It would have been a good idea. It seemed to work pretty fucking well. I'll the give moment you that. that happened, it, I was already not fully on board. The moment that happened, that meant everything that had been happening up to that point was the dumbest shit possible. Like, you can't tell me they had a sword this whole fucking time and were just punching things? Why? <laughs> what the fuck for? I can like I cannot imagine how that made it past any script reader. How they didn't go, what the fuck? Like you you if you're gonna introduce a weapon at any point, it's the beginning. Like you cannot <laughs> wait this whole time and then undercut all of the tension previous to this by going, oh, so they're just idiots. Got it. What? It wasn't even like it would the sword was like if they had made it so that the sword was hard to use or like it took extra effort mentally or something. No, it was just they had a sword and didn't think to use it. You know what I think I'm going to do next time I pull up that Mortal Kombat and start playing it? I think the first move I'm going to do in the match is the heart rip. I'll be better. <laughs> we'll see that way. Okay. Uh, okay. Here. Th- <laughs> Let's uh, let's uh, let's analyze that real quick. You would have to beat your opponent to the point that you could get to their heart, right? Like these are martial arts experts. So there would have to be a fight up to that point because you just immediately going for a heart punch, they're going to grab your arm. They're going to stop uh-huh, you and uh-huh. they now have control over you. Thinking it through in any rational sense, there's no reason why you would open with a punch when you have a sword. There's no reason. You'd never do it. I I get that. I, I see what you're saying. I read you. I feel you. Are you saying that you think like kind of the seesaw tipped too far towards dumb with Pacific Rim and the seesaw tipped far towards smart for the Godzilla? There's there's some kind of middle ground you're after. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like if if Pacific Rim had started with swords and weapons, like why don't they have guns? They build these gigantic mechs. To punch things? Why? <laughs> Think of the collateral damage, Steve. Yeah, exactly. The collateral <laughs> damage of having to punch rather than shooting with a huge cannon or something. <laughs> Neutralizing the threat, huh? Yeah, like, because all you're doing... Like, imagine punching a monster to death. Sounds awesome. How long awesome. is that going to take? I'll tell it's you gonna- what, it's going to look sick as fuck, too. I'm on board. Also, they did the same gag twice in that movie where uh, the the huge monster and the mech are fighting and then they like slide slowly into something and then dink into it. Beep. They did the same gag twice. Got me both times. Not gonna lie. Oh, fuck, man. I hate that movie <laughs> so much. <laughs> it's so weird to me that there's just like this turbo hatred. Like, I get you being like, yeah, I didn't really get into it that much, but the the way that you're just like vehemently hating it, yeah, no, and I, always have, I just find so fascinating. The sword, that is it. That's the that's the moment where it lost all goodwill with me, and immediately was like, "You think I'm this dumb? How <laughs> fuck you?" <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Steve. We're just gonna have to agree to disagree on this all one, right. and I say. To settle the score, how about we just crack ourselves open a co-beer? What do you think about that? I'm excited for this one uh, that RDM brought us. 
the notorious Roger Dean Miller. Yeah. This is the last of his delivery batch of co-beers that he brought us. He's had a hit list a mile long. There's been some really good ones that he gave us. I had a little bit of a beer malfunction yeah. on the Math- Mothman Prophecies episode where something had happened to out. mine. My titties were out. I was wearing my out-of-control <laughs> top that day instead of my control top. There were some issues with that. And uh, I hope that this one does not follow suit with that because what are we drinking today steve it sounds great a blueberry cobbler sour snack Ooh, from cobble me timbers brewery in oh. nashville tennessee they make good stuff i've had some tailgates in the past that i very very much enjoyed so i'm sure we're in for a quality product right here and it's got like a blueberry cobbler with some icy creams and stuff on the front of it it smells it's like super berry very much yeah 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 smells kind of tart it doesn't smell like mine has spolt so this should be a-okay so yeah, it's a sour though so you won't know that's true how will i know yeah i'm gonna give huh. it i'm gonna give this a shot it's got a light uh kind of berry sort of color to it it's a little oh. bit of that purplish bluish kind of blueberry mash sort of color <laughs> got a nice foamy head on top what's that doing to you is it good it tastes like blueberry cobbler like blueberry oh, cobbler. My God. Like, how does a beer taste like blueberry cobbler? It's got the cinnamon and everything. Yeah. It's like oh, so perfect. Dude, can I have this for like dessert every meal? I would absolutely love that. That is so good. Like, this does not taste like a beer with a hint no. of blueberry cobbler. This tastes no. like an entire a la mode blueberry cobbler <laughs> yes. that you just somehow Delicious. sit down. Oh, wow. But it's not like too tart. Like it's only about as tart as, you know, yeah, real uh, yeah. blueberries. Like, oh yeah, it's a sour. Mm. <laughs> that, that slipped my mind immediately once I tasted it, that this is a sour. Cause it's really not sour. It's not, it's not very tart. It tastes like no. blueberry tart, like that good sort of tart where it's like, that's just how the 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 fruit tastes. Man, that is miraculous. That's good stuff. There's even some of that like um, like the taste of like the oats and the brown sugar and stuff from like yeah. a good cobbler or like a crunch crisp, you know. Yeah, it's solid, man. Oh like man, that. dude, if they did an apple variant of this, yeah, I would leave the one I'm with. <laughs> you big apple crumble fan? Oh my god, anything like apple and cinnamon, just fucking mm-hmm. sign. It's awesome. Me awesome. up, dude. Yeah, that's I amazing. Thank you so much, Roger, for that one. That this actually might be my favorite of that last batch. Although I really did like that that black tea IPA that he gave us. Oh that man, was that really was good. I could drink like seriously all summer. Would love yeah. to just have one of those. It's so refreshing. Yeah, I completely agree with that. But, but this, this is, is yeah, like, this is amazing. This is blowing my mind. I've never had anything remotely like this before. It's a it's a ten. This is so fucking good, man. Hell yeah. Well, now that we've settled the score and put our differences aside, we've put away these old ways. We've put away <laughs> our bitter days. We're to ready to move right on into the bright God. sunshine, right into the clean, crisp air of the preview palace. 
Welcome to the Preview Palace. Who is that guy? I don't know about it. I don't know. Really, <laughs> it just like came out. I What's have no idea. I never prepare for this, and then like you start ramping up to it, and my brain goes, "Fuck! What do we do? What do we do?" And then my voice just says something. Silly voice. That's what we do. <laughs> And we kind of had like a hard time coming up with any idea of like how we could make a relevant intro topic to Reanimator. So as usual, we're like, fuck it. FAQ. FAQ. <laughs> yep. So we reached out to our uh, our Instagram followers and all our other social media supporters. And we gathered up some of the finest questions that you guys had. I say we, you did all the work. Steve gathered up. <laughs> The finest questions while I was fighting with a fucking car title and a bunch of donkey shit. I got the easy job of just uh, uh, asking people, hey, what the hell you want to know? There we go. There we go. And I'll tell you what, I'm primed and ready. I got my I got my catcher's mitt out. I'm like beating it with my fist and stuff. <laughs> I'm ready to receive Come on, these give things. Give me the pepper. Give me those things. You put some heat behind it. All right, Ben. I'll start with just one of the maybe procedural questions that a, okay. a couple people asked that that we should get to. And th this was Jason Codera and Chris Zazarine both asked this. When are, are we going to get back to in-person podcasting? Soon, and uh, we've I kind hope. of answered that. Yeah. Basically, uh, Ben is getting his second shot next week, and I'm getting mine this week. And then 14 days after Ben gets his shot, we will be clear to be in the same room together. Um, so, should be uh, uh, about a month, I guess, of, of episodes. Dude, I think for that episode, the preview palace is actually just going to be an ASMR episode of us just tongue kissing. Just yeah, all right. <laughs> Just a bunch of mouth sounds. Yeah, that'll definitely draw people in. People love mouth <laughs> sounds. They love them. We'll get more positive <laughs> iTunes reviews than ever. Loved the mouth sounds, they'll Please, say. Please, more mouth sounds. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll, we'll be back uh, uh, pretty soon to recording in person, which I'm super excited about for several reasons, uh, it, uh, including getting to be with people. That'll be fun. People! Wow, imagine that, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's wild. This comes from Bob, uh, boy, I'm going to Bob boy, this. Bob boy, <laughs> Bob, Bob boy. It, it's, it's either Kuhn or Kane, perhaps. Okay. All right. It's K-U-E-H-N-E. -E. Not positive how to pronounce that, but okay. great question. Is Hateful Eight just a remake of the thing? I mean, kind of. Kind, kind of. of. There's like a little bit more of the exterior world before everybody everybody gets kind of trapped in the cabin. Yeah, and stuff we're like not that, as but... like claustrophobic in this because we do get those other yeah bits. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty there. damn close though. It's honestly, close, yeah, it's real close. Less Brimley though, definitely less Brimley. In Far Hateful less Eight. Brimley. A lot more Channing Tatum. Um, mm, more guitar smashing. Yes, for the sure. The thing had next to none, I believe. Basically zero guitar smashing in the thing, yeah. Mm-hmm, yep. But, yep, yep. I mean, that hat that McCready wears is pretty much a cowboy hat, right? I think so, yeah. We'll yeah, call it so that. there you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, so they're the same movie, basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. It's been a long time since I watched that movie. Hey, Flate. Yeah. yeah. It, I, I want to watch that, you know, big long version, but... I, uh, every time it's just so intimidating when, like even a three hour movie unless it's Lord of the Rings I'm like 
That's a commitment right there, man. It's all too much. Yeah. Anyway. Dude, I'll tell you what. We made it all the way through winter without doing our traditional have a snow day or two and watch The Shining and watch The Thing. Like, those are typically our, like, snow day movies. Yeah. And we love to, like... They're perfect for that. Yeah. Yeah, just stay in and, like, have fun and watch those movies and stuff. I think about the biggest snow day that we had was, like, Christmas Eve. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right? I mean, it was cold. It was pretty consistently cold, but we just didn't yeah, really have a lot of, like, snow. We just didn't snow. have snow, yeah. Yeah, so we actually missed out on those. So I'm due for a watch, and maybe I do both. Maybe Lee Hateful Eight and The Thing. That way I can directly compare <laughs> and contrast and get a healthy dose of that luscious snack known as Kurt Russell. <laughs> All right, this is a would you rather, basically. Uh-oh. Matt Palmer is asking, would you rather make a significant, meaningful, positive change in the world and die oh. young... Mm-hmm. Or live a long, happy, and rewarding life without leaving any lasting legacy. I mean, at this point, I think I'm just going to have to go with option two because I'm not that young anymore. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Kind of stuck <laughs> with that one, I think. It's like, ah, oh, you're pretty close to 40, so let's just go with old and happy. That, I mean... We're making a difference, right? I, well, We're here, I'm just... Uh, 40s. I mean, listen... You can you can believe 40s old because you haven't been it, but if somebody dies at 40, they die young. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, it's not old. Uh, even 50, like 50. Somebody dies at 50, that is too young to die. So, like, yeah, I, I think we're still within that range. All right, all right, I, I feel you. It's an optimistic attitude, I accept that. It's still tough, though, because, like, you know, it's like basically the question is, would you rather live your life for other people or live your life for yourself? And like, right. Uh, you know, when you see a full future for the world, then yeah, it's like, Oh, I hope I make a, a, a big change, but I don't see a full future for this world. <laughs> like I think any lasting effect that anyone has, isn't going to be much more than a hundred years. Probably. Makes you wonder, yeah. Before nobody's really talking about anybody's impact and they're basically just hissing at each other and hiding in caves. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, at this point, we've already had, you know, steam power and the locomotive. How much better can it get? (laughs) I just don't know if I have anything to contribute after that, honestly. (laughs) You're saying that the person who comes up with the best kind of train is going to be like, nobody's going to forget that guy. Clearly, obviously. Yeah, I mean, what else is life about? That guy, he's, <laughs> he's set. Yeah. Okay, Ben. Now this one, I know you've pondered this one a lot in your life. Right. So, okay. I'm ready. Joey Glacken. Oh, Joey. Oh, Joey. Here he comes. He's giving us a little setup. Oh, so baby ducks, kangaroo. If ducks wanted to masturbate, they oh, would God. need corkscrew hands. Because they have... Okay corkscrew penises and yes they're the yeah so they basically if they had a fleshlight it'd be the counter corkscrew okay yeah what other uses and benefits would come with having corkscrew hands Ooh. i mean one never have to worry about opening a wine bottle yeah i was gonna say i think you could get into the old wine cellar yeah a little bit easier get a get a taste of the old vineyard and stuff like that (laughs) for some reason the first thing that came to mind is like 
cleaning your ears, but you don't want to do that with your bare hands. That's yeah, gross. Yeah, yeah. I also don't recommend corkscrews in your ears. Just, you know, in general. You know, when you say it like that, yeah, not so much. Probably not. I can't imagine this having a lot of guitar playing benefits, so that's kind of out. What if you discovered a new technique, though, that, like, nobody else could possibly do because they don't have corkscrew hands? Uh, you could be onto something right there. Yeah. Maybe that's something, huh? <laughs> you could probably get cast on, uh, like, a future season of American Horror Story. I bet they'd hire you. Oh, right? definitely. That's definitely. what we all want to do is be on that show, I think. No? Oh, well, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Get to hang out with uh, Lady Gaga and, and whatnot. Probably Lady be fun. Lady Gaga. Yeah, you might be yeah. Okay, so it's got its uses. Yeah, <laughs> it's got its uses. I can think of a lot of things that, you know, would be detrimental. You'd probably have to, like, create a new type of, like, you know, door handle and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Probably, uh, that'd yeah. be a little bit tricky. I can't imagine it'd be easy to brush your teeth or anything. Writing is probably just not Out even possible. No yeah. way you're typing, you know. I think if that was the case with me, I'd probably end up in a back alley, you know, giving uh, giving HJs to ducks for, for cash and just living a dark life. <laughs> but you'd be real popular with ducks. I love ducks, cool. too. So this that actually cool. might be a happy life for me. <laughs> so I think we've thoroughly answered that question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, this one... Um, I'm not sure if this is true of everybody, but whenever I read this question, I immediately had an answer and I thought that's weird. But then when I said the question to you, you immediately had an answer. And now I'm starting to think, I bet everybody could kind of immediately answer this question. Okay. What's the longest you've had to hold it in because you couldn't get to a bathroom and why? Dude, I'm telling you, like as soon as you sprung this question on me, I immediately knew and had a flash of like, I know exactly the time that I nearly yeah. pissed my pants in public as an adult. I don't know why it's burned into my memory so well, but I think that we'll probably find that everybody has a story about this. And yeah, I hope probably. that they share them on the Facebook group. The Facebook group has had some gold lately. So mm-hmm. everybody, please share your stories. But I know for myself, like many of my other significant childhood memories, it happened in the house of the Lord. Oh. It happened at church, Steve. Okay. Well, yeah. All right. So here's the scenario. Uh, you know, we were we were pretty poor people living mm-hmm. in Hamlin County, Tennessee, right. which is real backwoods and stuff. Mm-hmm. And at some point in my my like early teenage years, we started going to a church in Knoxville, Fellowship oh, Christian fancy. Church in the Knoxville and stuff. So driving like an hour to go to church. Yes. Wow. Yeah, not really a good use of time and resources for no. for poor people now that I think no. about it. <laughs> but we went to this church and I mean, I, you know, I was just such a fucking weirdo and not very socially skilled and everything back then, uh-huh. but also there was just this definite gap of like these like West Knoxville kids with a lot of money and stuff like that and this like right. Really high-end, nice church. Like, I definitely don't fit in with these people. So I had kind of a hard time making friends and shit like that when I was there. And there's this one time that I was there at youth group, and I don't remember what the scenario was. If, like, I had, you know, a bunch of uh, water or Coke or whatever earlier in the day, and I just found myself, like, you know, it felt like it was in the middle of, of youth group or whatever. I was like, man... I've really, really got to pee right now. Surely this is almost over because I don't want to like walk out in the middle of this 
and look like a weirdo and have everybody look at me and get everybody's attention when I'm already on thin ice with these West Knoxville posh kids anyway, right? Of course, right. that's all just stupid shit that goes through teenagers' heads, but it, it was very real to me at the time. And then, you know, like, I'm sitting here thinking, like, oh, my God, like, I really don't want to pee my pants in front of all these people. And then, you know, it's like, okay, they're going to wrap this up. It's prayer time. That means we're almost ready to go. But then it turned into one of those prayer times that just lasts for fucking ever. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? It can't just be like a, hey there, JC, let everybody have a good time. Amen. See you guys later. (laughs) Like, I don't know if youth pastor was just like really just feeling it that night or whatever, but it just kept going and going and going. And I'm sitting here being like, fucking uh, white bearded Jesus, please don't let me piss my pants in front of all these other kids. I'll be good forever if I don't have to pee myself in front of everyone here. Like I was legit like super, super fucking scared about it. And I remember like whenever it let out and he finally said amen and I bolted out of the door and ran to the bathroom, I, I just out of curiosity, I timed it and I peed for at least two minutes straight. It was the kind of pee where like you feel like you're like, oh, bladder's empty. And then you just keep peeing for like another minute. And you're like, I don't even feel like there's anything in me anymore. Where is this coming from? It never ended, man. It was brutal. Now, while the pastor was praying, did you notice he kept saying things like, the water of life <laughs> dripping on us, pouring out, Let trickling your love down wash from over us. <laughs> <laughs> Let's bathe in your love. <laughs> like, oh, it was a water analogy, Pastor. Come on. Now, so for me, I think I may have already told this story on on the pod, but it was uh, Cinco de Mayo, and. Um, Emily, this is when I was in uh, grad school, and Emily was like, "Hey, uh, my mom uh, wants to to meet up and uh, go to uh, a Mexican restaurant for Cinco oh, de Mayo." Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was, uh, I was like, "Oh yeah, sounds great." So we we go to this Mexican restaurant, and um, I get there, and and they they're coming together. So I get there, and I I ordered. Uh, the guy came up and he was like, hey, we got uh, 32 ounce beers for uh, five bucks. And I was like, oh, uh, okay, what you got? And uh, grabbed me a Dos Equis Amber, 32 ounce beer. I'm sitting there. Love it. Love it. I slammed that thing before they even got there. Woo. And I was like, oh, I should probably slow down. Uh, the guy came back and he was like, you want another one? I was like, well, yeah. I mean, I do want another <laughs> one. Like, I mean, I'm slowing down, but I want another one. But I do want 64 ounces of fluid right. in my body, so yes. <laughs> I, need, I need more, so please bring bring me more. Emily uh, gets there, and she's like, oh, we should, uh, we should get a pitcher of margaritas. <laughs> and uh, so she says a pitcher of margaritas. Her mom does not drink, so it's going to be me and her drinking a pitcher of margaritas. But I'm like, it's Cinco de Mayo. Fuck yeah. Pitcher of margaritas. To, of course, yeah. Uh, Take and- a picture, it'll last you longer. <laughs> <laughs> Our hit country song. Co- Take a picture. Yeah. <laughs> so they bring they bring out the um, the margaritas, and uh, Emily takes one drink, and she goes, "Oh, too strong." Uh, <laughs> it's well, all on you, homeboy. They can't do anything about too strong. So uh, now we got a picture 
a, pi a picture of two <laughs> strong margarita. Yes. And I'm I'm jumping on that grenade. Like, all right, <laughs> fuck. Now, this may be because I already slammed a 32-ounce beer that I was maybe partially impaired in my judgment and deciding, like, yeah, well, we can't waste the pitcher of margaritas. Hell no. <laughs> so I, I finished the, the pitcher of margaritas along with the other 32-ounce beer. <laughs> And before we left, I was like, well, I, I should go pee. So I went and peed and I got a little pee out and I was like, I'm good. Uh, now, the, the restaurant was about 40 minutes from our house. Uh Oh, and the second we got on the interstate, it was like, I think I got to pee really bad, <laughs> real but bad. Also being drunk, it was like. Well, I don't want to, because I was, I mean, as I just said, <laughs> I drank 64 ounces of beer and a pitcher of margaritas. I, I was drunk as hell. And <laughs> I was like, well, I don't want to go in anywhere. Because, like, I am drunk, drunk. I don't want to, yeah. like, go in and be embarrassing myself. So it's like, I didn't even want to say anything to Emily at first. <laughs> I was like, she'll want to stop, but I don't want to go in. And she, eventually I was like, I have to be so bad. And she was like, oh, do you want me to stop? And I was like, no, 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 don't stop. You gotta go. You gotta keep going. I'm too drunk. And she was like, all right, what, what do you want me to do? What can I do for you? How can I help? Uh, and she was like, I, there, there's a bottle in in the back. He just grabbed that bottle and pee in it. And I was like, okay. Classic. Make the old trucker bomb on the go. I, I am, I am a, such a shy peer. Such a shy peer. Got the stage fright, yeah, yeah. I got stage fright. My wife and I have been married over a, de a decade. Uh, we are we're that weird couple that doesn't even close the bathroom door. We just in and out while the other one's pooping or whatever. But I still can't. If 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 I'm just standing there to pee and my wife walks in, I cannot pee. So <laughs> I'm sitting there having to pee more than I've ever had to pee in my life. But I can't do it. Oh, no. And so I'm just sitting there with my dick, like, tip of my dick perched on a bottle, like, trying so hard to pee and knowing, <laughs> like, I have to pee so bad. Yeah. Please just come out of me. And it wouldn't. And we, like, we finally got home and, I, like, I'm sitting there with my dick out still. Like, if I stand up, I'm going to pee on myself. Yeah. So, like, I, like, s held my dick tight, basically, <laughs> pulled my pants up, <laughs> and then just, like, waddle ran into the house <laughs> and just sat down. And then had to pee like a big boy. Just sat down, because I was like, I do not know what's going to happen when I release. Like, the second I release my dick, it could just go everywhere. So, I'm picturing, like, one of those fire hoses that gets out of control. <laughs> exactly. You know, and it's just, like, going oh, every which what way. The fuck? Oh, piss like everywhere. a crazy snake just everywhere yeah <laughs> pressure was, wash in that thing it was the worst feeling just 
knowing how bad I had to pee and feeling it like just like just go get out please leave me (laughs) (laughs) anyway so that's a great question (laughs) amazing again I bet everybody has a story related to this dude yeah all right so now uh, a little more difficult question Ben and I'm still not sure if I have an answer for this but Mm, okay this comes from uh, our pal Kev Beckerdyke Kev, oi, it's Kev. <laughs> oi, it's Kev, He's from the UK. Jolly dude, have a point on us. Won't you go and save the queen? Let's go get some bangers and mash. Oi, oi. And maybe in the morning we'll have scones. <laughs> won't we? <laughs> beans and toast. Yeah, Liverpool. I, 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 beans on toast <laughs> sounds great. Probably no. good. Uh-uh. You, don't, you don't like beans or you don't like toast? Man, which are the, which? beans is just lame, dude. That on some toast in the morning, I don't want that. It is a bad call in the morning. Just Ew. fill up on beans. Uh-uh. Just farting all day. No, sir. So, if Ben and Steve were the subject of a biopic or a biopic. Oh. But the producers decided to cast female protagonists, so we're being gender swapped. Okay, gender bender here. Okay, all right. Yep. Which actresses would you have your would you have play your respective roles? So who which actress would play you, Ben, in a movie? So, so like what actress would play Benjamina? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why, but whenever you ask me this question, the first person that came to mind was Lucy Lawless. Okay. And I don't know why. I mean, I guess she she is a, a dark haired female with like right, a strong right. jawline and stuff. Okay, okay. So maybe there's some sense there. She has kind of uh, kind of like similar eye shape to me, I think. Maybe she has dark eyes or maybe she doesn't. I don't know. But for some reason, <laughs> Xena Warrior Princess is what comes to mind. And I don't know why, but I feel like I should go with it. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm going to go with Megan Mullally for me. Oh, okay. Yeah, Because I right. think uh, I think basically... It works. She's funny. Uh, she's funnier than me, so it would definitely make me look better in the in the biopic. Mm-hmm. And you get to hang out with Ron Swanson all the time, man. That's pretty cool. Nick Offerman, cool guy. Yeah. Uh, all right. So yeah. Well, there we go. There's our our buddy biopic with Lucy, Lucy Lawless, Lawless and Megan, <laughs> Megan Mullally. I can. See I don't know that why working. it's working, but it's working. Yeah. <laughs> so this one comes from. A person you're related to by law, Ben. Lord of mercy. Yeah. Jesse asked us. So we we basically dealt with this, I think, in the last FAQ where we had a question that was like, what already great classic horror movie would you like to see directed by uh, another like classic horror director? Right. So she asked, which bad or not great horror movie would you want to be improved by which director? Okay, so like a horror movie that we were disappointed with that we want to see. Okay, all right. Yeah, I think we've said uh, a few times in the past when we've dealt with movies that weren't great, like I'd like to have seen this director's take on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, any come to mind, Ben? I'd love to see The Hobbit directed by Peter Jackson. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> that's interesting okay okay Damn let's it. see where that goes <laughs> maybe right, it'd be better right. i don't know okay <laughs> this is a great question because i think there's a lot of these movies that we've done even here pretty recently that we've watched 
where I've been like, man, this was close, but just not quite there. If it was directed by somebody with more vision, it could have been better. Like I remember when we yeah. watched Arachnophobia, I was like, this is begging to be a 90s Tim Burton movie. And Absolutely. I stand by it. Like yeah. If Arachnophobia mm-hmm. was fucking the, the dream team, Tim Burton and Danny Elfman on the soundtrack, dude, it would be fucking awesome. Sign me up for that, dude. That's one that comes to mind immediately. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, another one that comes to mind for me, and you might not like this, but you will be forced to respect it, goddammit. Even though you liked this movie, and I did not, this is one of the semi-rare disagreements that we had on a movie. I really was disappointed with Hagazusa. I thought that that movie is just such a fucking slog. I really did not like it at all. But if my homeboy, Ari Aster, was at the helm of that thing... Give it to me, baby, Rick James style. Give me Ari Aster's Hagazusa. I think that's going to do some things for my body. Huh. I wonder how he would change it. Like, I mean, like folk magic and folk tales yeah, and stuff like this. Yeah, we I mean, it's in his, some it's of in that his, in Midsummer, you know? Yeah, it's definitely in his, like, wheelhouse. I was just, I'm just thinking, like, of... Because it would definitely be... It'd be different. By a mm-hmm. lot different, yeah. I loved the movie, but I'm I'm I would not think that this would be bad if Ari asked. It would make it. It would be a good movie, I would assume. And I, I, it would be different though. I, I can. There would be more people. I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> like his movies have. You gotta have relationships. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like if you're gonna have a movie about relationships, there has to be, you know, more than like two people in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think I could see that, though. Even though I do like Hagazusa, I think that actually could work really well. Well, thank you to all you dead and lovelies that follow us on the social medias for providing those wonderful FAQ questions. I think we aid the F out of those cues. There's actually a lot of other really great questions that we're going to we're going to save for a rainy day next time we do one of these things. So expect to hear your question answered on a future installment of Dad and Lovely. But now it is time to put aside these playful things. It's time to put aside these petty things and get on to our review of the classic Reanimator from 19... <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's it. 1985, you said it. Yeah, exactly. 1985. I never really liked that song, honestly. Yeah? Yeah, not not really for me. It's not really for me. Eh, Well, I mean, are you sure, though? Yeah. Have you gone back and listened to it with your heart? Okay, maybe I should listen to your heart and give it another (laughs) try. Maybe I'll do that, man. But I will tell you what is for me. It's Reanimator. This right here is not the first time that I've watched this movie picture, but the first time that I watched it was merely a scant few years ago, and I, I remember, remember this, it yeah. as if it was only a meal ago because it was just one of those nights where, like, I'm a wife, she'd gone to bed early and stuff, and I was like, man, I got time to watch a movie. What am I going to watch? And I think at that point, I want to say it was like Amazon Prime or something had just put Reanimator on there, and I was like, man, this is supposed to be like... A classic? classic? Yeah. I've never seen it. I've heard people talk about it and stuff. Might as well check this thing out. So I watched it there a few years ago. Really got a kick out of it. Enjoyed it very much. I was looking forward to watching this one for the first time with my wife because she had never seen it before. Awesome. So this is her first time watching it, my second time watching it. And uh, 
I still really enjoy this flick. I think that is very, very cool. It's not like it's, it's not like awesome. in my top five or anything like that, but there's a lot to love about it, and I think there's some really memorable characters and scenes and effects and stuff like that in yeah. there that will keep me coming back to it over the years. When was the first time that you watched this flick? Ben, I have a very distinct memory. Uh, it is one of the first movies I remember watching in my aunt and uncle's new house oh. when I was around six or seven. Okay, just a young man, just a little yeah. old Steve. Little Stevie, were you playing in Bruce Springsteen's band at this point, or were you on The Sopranos by now, little Stevie? <laughs> I think I was on The Sopranos. Or maybe, oh, okay. maybe I was in that, uh, what was that movie, or that show he was in on Netflix where he was in, like, Switzerland or something? <laughs> I don't think but, I saw this. I can't remember the name of it. But anyway, that was you. Yeah, it was me. Okay. Uh, no, it, it, this was one of those where, like... I remember um, going to the video store with my aunt and uncle because it was like, you know, what are we, we going to watch? And me and my cousins going into the old horror movies. And this, you know, wasn't too old at that time. But, uh, you know, was in the old horror movies, we saw the cover and it was like, oh, I want to see that. That looks Cover's cool. sick. Got the mad yeah. scientist kind of look going on. Really cool, intriguing cover. Yep, and the, I remember just so vividly uh, laying like on the floor in a sleeping bag, that cat scene, and very specifically the cat when it comes flying at him. Oh, yeah. That just like in my head, just very much emblazoned there. It's like, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've seen this movie uh, a number of times. I've, I've loved it over the years and it, it's always held up every time I've gone back to it. It's always been like, yeah, no, this is awesome. Yeah. It's totally one of those ones that like, I don't watch often, obviously, as I just said, I've watched it like twice now, but it's one of those ones that I can see myself putting on just whenever I'm in that particular mood. Like, yeah, it's one of those that doesn't. Try the best way to describe that. It doesn't like fly super high in a lot of areas where it's like it's right. not ultra big, ultra boisterous in your face, like zany, crazy, um, like you know a horror comedy like Dead Alive or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it's also not just a straight scary horror movie either. Like it treads a really unusual ground of dark comedy and legit horror and gore. Yeah in a way that not really a lot of movies do. It feels serious and silly at the same time. It's a very well-written script, just from from looking at the way the arcs play out, uh, you know, our, sort of our first introductions to our characters and our later, like, revelation periods with the characters. Like, it's really well-written, and I think that's because it's, it started out as a theatrical production okay. it was going to be a theatrical production hmm. then it was going to be a television show that they wrote 13 episodes of whoa what give me that alternate reality i want to see that thing i would love to see that but yeah if you flesh something out in 13 episodes and then you come to turn it into a script, you've got a pretty deep knowledge of these characters that you're dealing with. Yeah. So I think they, like, I think that, like, lead up over analytic period of going through different types of scripts and stuff led to them just having this really tight script that can very 
well like tread that ground of being a dark comedy as well as being a really good dark horror movie. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah, you're kind of saying by overriding the fuck out of it and giving us 13 episodes of this or whatever, they were able to understand the characters better and condense them down into this movie. And that can be real hard. I mean, look at the Snyder Cut. Like, like it can be very, very hard to condense all that stuff down because, you know, over... Uh, I mean, the original H.P. Lovecraft story, Herbert West Reanimator, was, like, serialized. So there there were several, like, chapters to the story. And oh, okay. Reanimator and then, like, uh, you know, Bride of Reanimator and all, all the uh, future uh, sequels kind of draw from those, like, serialized stories. So maybe those 13 episodes would have covered a much bigger story than just what happens in this movie. But they they obviously had gotten into the depth of these characters to be able to efficiently show like who they are. And knowing that this was filmed in 18 days kind of makes me think that they knew going in exactly what they wanted out of out of certain things. And they were able to get it very you know, quickly and efficiently. 18 days. That is yeah, nuts, man. Cause there's Absolutely. quite a few special effects shots and stuff. Yes. That we'll talk about as well, man. Dang. So they had a pretty on point team of people working on putting this together is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And this, I mean, this is, um, you know, Stuart Gordon who, um, he, he did, or he, he's done, uh, several different Lovecraft, adaptations after this he did uh you know from beyond and uh, another one he did he did an episode of masters of horror that was a hp lovecraft story and he's also done some um uh edgar Allan poe adaptations so like he seems to be like comfortable in this area of adaptation and, and this is kind of like the beginning of that like he he really showed here like i i can adapt these stories and make them interesting and fun and also, like, not be too beholden to the original material, especially when the original material is uh, uh, considered by most Lovecraft scholars to be Lovecraft's weakest story. Really? See, that's something I was going to ask you about, is if you've read the original. like, Oh, yeah. okay. I was hoping to have enough time to at least do, like, the audio book or something like that before we did this episode, but this week's been so slammed, I- I've not yeah, had time to. Yeah, no, I understand. To. It's not... It's not terrible as a story but it is not as well done as most of Lovecraft's other writing and that's because he Mm. was really doing it as a writing assignment for money Uh, oh really yeah it uh and you know it one of the requirements of the assignment was it had to have a cliffhanger at the end of of every you know installment of the serial so yeah, it's perfect for anything serialized. You want to keep them looking for the next installment or whatever. Okay. But absolutely outside of Lovecraft's style of writing. Never did that. That's kind of the thing, man, about this. is like, you know, when you say it's a Lovecraft story, you immediately start thinking like, okay, so where do the cosmic old god entities at the bottom of the sea or whatever come in? And it's like, no, this is really more of a science fiction horror story. Yeah. Like, there's nothing supernatural about this. There's nothing related to any cosmic deities or anything like that right. so it's kind of a i don't know a little bit more grounded area for lovecraft to be writing about i guess it's frankenstein 
I mean, that's what he yeah. took as his inspiration is Frankenstein. Yeah. And yeah, totally. um, he basically, it's basically like, uh, what if a bunch of Frankensteins, but you know, what corpses would probably be if they were brought back to life, you know, just <laughs> scared and in pain and wanting to, to fondle some boobs. Yeah, I guess. I guess so. Yeah. That, so, you know, the, the original material isn't Lovecraft's strongest, but Stuart Gordon. How close is it to this? Well, that that's also a thing is that they, they went, you know, uh, a little uh, rangy with it. They kind of, you know, put it into the more modern world and things. And they 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 put their own spin on things. Okay. Uh, but still kept, you know, the, the basics intact. So... Stuart Gordon being able to adapt this so well kind of established a career for him in these other movies. And of course, he worked with uh, Brian Usna on this, who, uh, you know, a few years after this would direct Society and uh, Return of the Living Dead 3. And, you know, uh, oh, he he did the the Bride of Reanimator too, the sequel to this. So, like, this uh, kind of established these two weirdos and (laughs) normal guys yeah and they're great like their movies are awesome like they they really have a a, they have have a a feel to them yeah feel to them and an aesthetic and there's similarities between gordon and yuzna like they they have their sort of similarities and then they are also very different in a lot of ways but like it's real cool to see this because it reminded me that 80s horror movies weren't just, um, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th and sequels and, uh, you know, uh, uh, slashers. Slashers, yeah. 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 They were weird. There were a ton of weird ones. And oh, yeah. They're so fun because there were just so many people at the time who were really, like, good filmmakers or good, like, effects artists and good writers and good actors working in these fields because they loved it and really wanted to do it. And it was profitable in the eighties. So you got to get away with doing a lot of weird shit. Yeah. And this, uh, this is probably the best example of it. I think like, you know, society is, is also up there where it's just like so fucking weird, but also like watchable. But this is so fucking weird and like classic. Like you, you kind of you have to see this. I think if you're a, a horror fan. Yeah, I was gonna say like in contrast to movies like Society and other things that these guys worked on, um, even like you know From Beyond. Like yeah, this is a lot more digestible and watchable. I think by you know your average horror audience. Not to say that this is like some kind of weaker concept or anything no. like that in those movies, but this is just a very watchable flick it never goes too far extreme and fucked up like society or something like that does where you're gonna turn a lot of people off this is just a good enjoyable 80s horror movie yeah yeah and it it i it's got everything you want too because it's got um it's got the humor but like it's the movie's the humor never makes the movie feel less tense. Like yeah, the humor or less makes, serious, yeah, yeah. The humor makes it more kind of gross. Like a lot of the humor is how insane 
uh, Jeffrey Combs is playing Herbert West, <laughs> but like yeah. how perfectly insane he does it because he's not like a mad. Sci- he is a mad scientist, but he's not like ha 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 ha. But sometimes he I is. Mean, he like, kind of is though. Yeah, it's like I was gonna say like perfect. He's got the mad scientist it. laugh. Yeah, and like yeah. all the funny stuff in the movie comes from the guy who's probably trying the hardest to not be funny because yeah. he's a serious scientist who like. Even though he's a student, a student at these schools and stuff, he's totally just like everybody's doing it wrong. You're a fucking idiot. Your work is garbage. Yeah. Like he's a mega serious dude about this work, but because he's so serious, he ends up kind of being the funniest part of of the movie. And a lot of yeah. that is because he's so over the top and nuts, dude. Like one of those first scenes with him where he's in class and he's like snapping those pencils and stuff. Uh-huh. I guess just to piss off the uh, the professor, right? Because it's like it's not because he's angry, like it, he's. It, you could think like maybe he just got like the the professor said something that pissed him off, and he just he breaks it. But then the second one happens, and the second one is just like this staring him in the eye and breaking it sort of thing. It's like what the fuck? <laughs> what is he just trying to happen? break his concentration? Like he already thinks he's smarter than everybody here, and. Yeah. In a way, he is because he's he has broken, death, yeah. yeah, the six to twelve hour barrier or whatever it is, six it's, to twelve minute, yeah. twelve minute barrier, yeah, that everybody thinks is like such a um, such a fixture. He's already kind of broken that himself, so it's like, well, he is kind of right. He has figured out things that the other guys haven't explored, right? Yeah, and he's being, uh, you know, told to stop pursuing it, even though, you know, it's the cure to death, supposedly. Now, here's the interesting thing, though, that I really like about the way Herbert West is written and played is that I don't think Herbert West sees much of a difference between alive people and reanimated people. Yeah, I get that. I don't think he thinks like... I think he he sees them the same. So the reanimated people, like the way that the alive people are reacting to the reanimated people to him is like hysteria. It's like silly. Like they're just people who are acting silly. Like he doesn't see a difference. Yeah. He, he just doesn't connect with humanity. We get that like the first time we meet him where, uh, you know, uh, uh, our, I guess, main character, Dan ask him what his specialty is and he just he doesn't even look at him he's staring at a corpse and he just says death like he (laughs) he is he's definitely got like a sociopathic kind of spin to him and to me like where i really picked up on that is you know whenever early on in the movie there after he moves in with dan and he you know clearly kills his cat it doesn't show us killing the cat or anything like that but you know he's referring to the cat as it Uh like he doesn't refer to it as him or by the cat's name, he calls it it. Yep. And meanwhile, like every line that Dan is saying, he's referring to the cat by name and giving it a pronoun and stuff. But to Herbert West, it's just a thing. It's an it. And I think that he's supposed to have this kind of sociopathic, unsympathetic sort of slant to his character that he does really well. Yeah, he does great. I mean, uh, Jeffrey Combs, you know, he... he this movie kind of got him typecast, but also got him a lot of work because yeah. <laughs> people wanted him to be that. I mean, uh, we've talked about not too long ago, uh, the frighteners, uh-huh. um, uh, 
not not as a review, but we've both kind of recently watched it. And his he's just insane in that. Like Yeah. So <laughs> totally over nuts. the top and crazy. But he he really does like make the character because like I could see somebody playing it over the top the whole time. I could see somebody like, you know, really like sneaking in moments trying to be like, I'm crazy, right? But he mm-hmm. doesn't do that. He like just goes flat most of the time. He's real flat. And then the moments when he gets crazy are the moments when him being crazy make it particularly crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it's he's he's very efficient with his crazy. Yeah, it would be really easy to overplay that part in a lot of different ways. And yeah. I do like the way that he played the character where, like you said, it is kind of like conservative and sociopathic, but at the same time he gets riled up and turbo excited at certain things that aren't even really things you should be that stoked about, but that's just because his character doesn't really people very well. He doesn't know how to human all that good. Yeah, (laughs) he has two like big laugh moments where he, he does his laugh. One is right after they've had this huge battle with this reanimated cat and killed it. And that it's like, uh, okay, <laughs> weird. You're time not to seeing laugh. how fucked up this is, okay? Yeah. Um, but the second time is, I think, more fucked up because it's when uh Dan tells um tells uh, Herbert that Doctor Hill, Herbert's rival, who is a bad guy and evil, uh, has a weird uh psychotic need for Megan, and. Uh, Herbert laughs at the idea of having a need for a person. Yeah. It's like, what? Like, why would I you was do thi- that? I was, yes. I was thinking like, okay, so either he's laughing at the idea of having a need for a person or he's laughing at Dr. Hill for being weak enough to need a person. Meaning again, he's laughing at the concept of him needing a person. Yeah. He cannot comprehend needing someone else. It is, it's just so like subtly crazy in that moment. It's like I love it. Completely the opposite of what we saw with like Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein, where he's right. like, I must conquer death because my mother and my yeah. sister lover have died and I must bring them back because of my emotions and my theatricality. Like to Herbert West, it's just like, oh, this is like a like a math problem I need to solve. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, he has this is no just, and I'll beat it. It's about me yeah. winning. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he has no reason of like Oh, I had, you know, a brother that died in my arms. Like he he has no backstory like that and right. it doesn't make the story weaker because he, you know, doesn't have a reason why he needs to conquer death. No, like, it makes him a better like villain, but he's not even our villain. No. <laughs> That's the craziest part about it is that the craziest motherfucker in the movie is not the villain. It turns out that just like in real life, the villain is John Kerry. <laughs> John this motherfucker, Carey, dude, he looks like John Kerry. <laughs> He's absolutely the man himself, wearing an immaculate hairpiece. <laughs> okay, so the hairpiece, I, I was thinking, you know, I never really paid attention as a kid. I'd just seen it so many times, and I was like, yeah, people wore sh- crazy hairpieces back then, I guess. Uh, but then watching it again, I was like, huh, why a hairpiece? I read up on it. So the reason for the hairpiece was, one, they had 16 days and no budget, basically. 
So the fake head that they were going to use for the effects to like, mm-hmm. you know, the crushing scene and stuff. Oh, right. Had to have the same hair as him and they couldn't afford to have a wig made to look like his hair, but they could afford a cheap wig and put it on. What? It. No yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just working with what they had and it was just kind of like, well, yeah, it'll look bad on him, but maybe that's like a character trait of his. He's obviously wearing a bad wig. So you're saying he had to match the special effects dummy and they catered yeah. the real actor around that. Yeah, because they didn't have the That's money. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Necessity, awesome. man. The mother of invention. I'll yes. tell you what. That's yeah. amazing. He's great too, man. Oh, like, yeah. It's easy when you think about this movie just to think about, yeah, Jeffrey Combs and stuff, but David this Gales. guy, man, yeah. whenever you see him early in the movie, you're just like, I don't know, he's just some old, old guy, John Kerry looking motherfucker. Uh, but then later on, like after his head is severed and he exists as just this, you know, separate head and body thing. And he starts doing like the voice where he's like gasping yeah. and rasping for oh, air man. and really like having a hard time getting his words out and stuff. It's so good. And dude, whenever yeah. he's just like a head in a pan, uh, he has this perfectly like psychotic look on his face and like his teeth are bared all the time and again the voice like everything about his persona as the decapitated you know somehow still living person is really fucking good man it really works for me he really really goes for it uh david gale and let me tell you man he suffered for his art uh so apparently his wife left him because of this role Uh uh-uh apparently at a screening uh, the scene where he sexually assaults Barbara Crampton, who we'll talk about, is awesome in this as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, the scene where he sexually assaults Barbara Crampton, his wife apparently said, how could you, and stood up and walked out, and then they got divorced. No way. Yep. Uh, so... Damn, dude. <laughs> he really suffered for this, uh, this movie. So thank you, David Gale, for really going all out. <laughs> Probably should have discussed it with your wife, though, you know? Yeah, yeah, a little openness, a little communication yeah, goes that, a long way, I, mean, I suppose. I feel like, I feel like you know, if, if she knew what to expect and didn't walk into uh, what is obviously disgusting, I mean, the scene is supposed to be disgusting, and he is yeah. supposed to be a disgusting individual. Yeah, he's I the villain doing a terrible thing. Yeah, I, I, you know, you might at the very least prepare her, <laughs> let her know. Maybe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what did anyway. you do at the office today? Well, well you know, <laughs> you're these not are things like that can come this. up in conversation. I think. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, anyway, but yeah, that he's he's great in this though. Like he he is the villain, and he does such a good job of being, uh, you know. Uh, obvi- overtly villainous like he's you know uh too old for uh megan barbara crampton but obviously uh creepily pursuing her in very strange ways oh he creeping man he creeping yeah. bad yeah uh but he he's also uh unscrupulous he's willing to steal from herbert west as well something that uh he pretended to not believe in but obviously did have some belief that maybe herbert was up to something you know uh so yeah he he just comes off as this really shitty 
terrible villain that you're happy when his head explodes. <laughs> yeah, dude. Totally, totally effective, man. Uh, we've also got the Dean in this movie who, again, just seems like a totally normal old dude. And then yeah. we get to see him bouncing around in a rubber room. Does and... so great, man. Oh, dude. He's he awesome in out. this. Yeah, he goes all out to be this yeah uh, zombie, this mindless zombie. Uh, and, like, you know, I guess we should talk, we should, uh, you know, that's a good sort of lead into talking about zombies because uh, this is a 1920s uh, story that is obviously very clearly dealing in the Romero type of zombie almost. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. The only major difference being that they're they're very strong, which is obviously the holdover from Frankenstein. Like somehow they'd have this like extreme strength. <laughs> um, now that's especially on display with the first corpse that we get to see reanimated. Which, dude, I don't I don't know what they were thinking. Whenever like Herbert West and Dan they go into the morgue and they're like, which of these do you want to reanimate? This one. This one or this one that looks like fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger? Maybe we should go ahead and get this one revved up so he could maybe beat us to death. And they <laughs> that reanimate guy, that guy, and he's like fucking gigantic. And that guy was Schwarzenegger's body double. Exactly, for, and so. he even makes Arnold noises. He's like, oh, 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 oh. yeah, yeah. That is a strange choice. It's a strange choice to pick the obviously strongest body. Um. Especially after we saw him at the beginning wrestling with uh, Hans Gruber. Yeah. And a cat. I mean, by and that the point, cat, the cat was strong. A like, cat that became super strong. Dude, I would be looking for the one that was just like the scrawniest and start there. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Let's find... Is there a dead child? Let's just... <laughs> yeah. But, uh, okay, so the, the zombies in this, uh, this is, you know... H.P. Uh, Lovecraft was introducing this sort of concept. Basically, I, I mean, really, at its root, was just what if, you know, more than one Frankenstein? What if, you know, Herbert West was like, I'll, I'll really go for it. Um, and and so we get this sort of prototypical zombie that will eventually become, you know, a Romero zombie that that is like disconnected from the Haitian voodoo zombie. But uh, it's not what um, H.P. Lovecraft was necessarily calling them or going for. So it, it it's like this link up between Frankenstein. Because I said when we did Mary Shelley's Frankenstein that obviously Frankenstein is this inspiration for what would become like the Romero zombie and, and the zombies that we recognize today. Yeah. Uh, so this is a important zombie story, but I think it works even better in 1985 when we've already had Night of the Living Dead and we've had, um, you know, other attempts at zombie movies that these are like similar in a lot of ways. They're like, uh, you know, groaning and moving kind of shambly or whatever, but they're also uniquely strong it kind of brings in something new to the zombie genre that needed it in 1985 yeah and the thing about this movie is too man is like as i was watching it and i was thinking about you know how we're going to review it for the show and stuff i was like is this a 
Mad Scientist Frankenstein movie, or is this a a zombie movie? And it really got me thinking about the fine lines and the blur that happens between those, where it's like, if you reanimate a corpse with magic or spirituality, it's a zombie. Mm-hmm. If you revive it with science, yeah, no, it's, it's a, a Frankenstein. Right? You know, like there's somehow some sort of distinction that happens right there, where in this movie, there isn't necessarily anything supernatural going on although there kind of is with some of the implied like telepathy and stuff that goes on yeah Um, that's a little strange like how he can control his body separate from his head yeah and command the other the other you know reanimated corpses and stuff like that to like rise up at a moment's notice and stuff like so there is i guess a little bit of something there but at its origin these figures were brought back by a man armed with science, so it makes it less like a zombie to me. Yeah, a man armed with glow sticks. <laughs> yeah, glow stick fluids. That's all you need, man. You need just some of that reagent <laughs> to keep the rave going all night long <laughs> beyond the veil of death. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I think that. Um, I think that when you you look at zombies like what romero really did was never give us a a a reason like right he had people debating it on the tv and the radio like in the background like you know the hell was full the dead walked the earth right yeah hell was full the dead walked the earth they mentioned a comet in the first one but then they're they're talking about all sorts of other stuff in in future and like you know where where these come from Never get a but those are definition. those are all things that are out of the realm of control of man. So therefore, they seem like spiritual forces. Exactly. Yeah. And this is this is very much in the Frankenstein sense of like, no, this is like an intentional creation. And it, it it's interesting that Return of the Living Dead came out in the same year in which a gas creates the zombies. Mm-hmm. So you're moving towards this like scientific explanation of these zombies like trying to give a reasoning behind that would eventually lead to things like 28 days later where you got these outbreak zombies that are caused by a virus and uh you know the the need for definition becomes more clear after 85 like people really want to know like wait so where do they come from why is this Mm -hmm. and romero was always able to just be like yeah we don't know it's a crazy thing that happened and that i mean that is why those movies are classic and always stand up because he sure. didn't waste his time trying to explain. But it also is interesting. It's always been fun. Like, I love 28 Days Later. I love that concept of like, oh, what, it's a rage virus. That's insane. That's what causes these. And also 28 Days Later has the, you know, super fast, super strength sort of zombies like this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the effects of that reagent are kind of all over the place. They I mean, are. our first introduction to it is that <laughs> it'll make an old man's eyeballs explode. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> what? Like, uh, that doesn't happen to anybody else, but it's no. pretty cool when it happens to that guy. <laughs> yeah. It gives a cat, like, just seemingly the ability to fly. When it comes flying at them, like, that's not a jump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's pretty... The the effects are, are wild. But definitely, like, I, you know, I, I wondered at the end, because, like, uh, you know, Herbert West doesn't die, but we don't get to, like, see 
Well, I mean, we, I haven't seen the sequels, so I know he's in the sequels. Okay, I was going to ask if you'd seen those, because I've never seen, like, Bride of Reanimator or any of those. I've heard that it, like, picks right up where this leaves off, so I need to watch it. I, I, ha- I have to wonder, like, because with this, what I was thinking was he would tweak the reagent at some point, but he doesn't. He never tweaks it. He's just testing it. It's so, yeah. like, and it does, because he never tweaks it, it, like, does a good job with establishing his character as this, like, he's a scientist. To him, it could take thousands of corpses before he'll move on and try a different formula. Mm-hmm. Like, whereas if if he were the, if he were the protagonist of this, he would be, like, trying, like, each time he'd be trying a different formulation and because, like, the last time, it just didn't work right. With him, it doesn't matter. Last time, didn't work. Maybe it'll work this time. Who fucking knows? <laughs> like, yeah. I'll just raise it's this science. corpse. Keeps Let's not keep, working. Keep keeps not working. Then it finally actually does work with Dr. Hill when he kills him. And then brings yeah. him back with just his head. And somehow, he controls his body, as you said. Now, what is that? Is he... Yeah. Is he, like like a master of meditation like he's got this mind body connection like you wouldn't believe or like what is happening so what i heard is that there's another cut of this movie that has uh, yeah. quite a lot more footage in it yes. that explores the fact that you know he somehow gained these uh these powers like apparently in life he had like these hypnotic abilities and stuff and then yeah, in the- death he has these like kind of telepathic or telekinetic abilities where he can reach out with his mind and stuff. Now they never explicitly say that in the cut of the movie that we yeah, watched. That's like, out completely. Yeah. Like you kind of get that impression. Ob- yeah. Obviously how else would it be working? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, whenever he like, you know, commands that army of zombies to rise up at the end right. of the movie, it's like, okay, he's controlling them somehow. Maybe it's the fact that, his head was severed when he was brought back, somehow gave him some abilities. Like, it's never really all that clear, and it doesn't bother me, honestly. Oh, no. Yeah. No, it's... Uh, honestly, I think it adds to the comedy of it. Like, the yeah, movie's not it taking because. itself too seriously that it has to explain that. Yeah. Totally. But, yeah, I... I, I um, I that uh, other cut you're talking about reading about that was interesting to me because so basically they made an R-rated cut back in the day for when it went to video because there were a lot of video stores that wouldn't carry unrated movies okay so the R-rated version was shot simultaneously the the first cut of the movie was like two and a half hours long or something. Whoa, dude. So I'm assuming, I guess, that originally Stuart Gordon wanted everything in there. And then when he couldn't have everything, he just cut all of of the hypnosis stuff. But then when they were coming to an R-rated version, they were like, well, we have to cut all this other stuff. We're going to have to put the hypnosis stuff back in. So then it's long enough, but then it was 94 minutes, which is longer than the the cut that we have, the theatrical cut. So what the I hell? do not know what all was going on there, but I, I, 
regretfully didn't get to see the ultimate cut that has it's like uh, 104 minutes it's got everything from both cuts but i i did read about the scenes as you're talking about the hypnosis bits and whatnot and that does help explain it but i think i think you're right the theatrical cut doesn't need it you at no point really feel like okay so wait but why can he do that yeah like this never goes into full-on like fucking christopher nolan ultra reality territory where i'm like now hang on just a second now why is this happening what's the science here like it kind of knows its limits as far as like how much do we need to tell them and that's fine that's enough just keep the movie going and they were right about that honestly yeah i kind of what i say about calling a godzilla like i don't need more science in this story I'm cool just rolling with, I don't know, this shit brings people back to life. They act weird. Sometimes weird stuff happens. I don't know. Who cares? Anyway, Barbara Crampton. I don't know. Yes, exactly. I mean, you do have Barbara Crampton, so just more of her on the screen all the time. Uh, yeah. Gorgeous. I had a huge crush on her as a kid, and she's uh, still absolutely awesome, gorgeous woman who is still working in horror and still doing amazing things. She was in... Um, that new vampire movie, Jacob's Wife. Oh, yeah. Uh, a movie called We Are Still Here not long ago. I don't know if you've ever seen that. She was in Is Your that the Next. One with, like, there, there's like the, the people move into the house and there's the, the ghosts that look like fucking burnt corpses and stuff in it. Yes. Is that that one? Yes. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Uh-huh. That is pretty cool. She was also in uh, 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 Channel Zero season that came out a few years ago. She's she's still kicking ass and she is awesome in this. And this is one yeah. of her earliest roles. Really? But she just comes off as the likable and, and like, like Barbara Crampton just has that where it's like she's just sort of instantly likable and you also see that she has a sense of humor to her. Yeah. Yeah. And she she just comes off great in this. Yeah, she is great, man. I think the only, the only negative thing I have to say about her character and role in this movie is that her death is really weak to me. Yeah. Like it's, it's at the end of the movie. You had all this crazy climactic shit happening. And then it's like burn victim zombie is like, I'll touch your throat. Oh, you're dead now. And it's like, what, what happened? Yeah. What? Like I, I did She's have dead? to rewind it. Cause I was like, what did happen? And each time I rewatched it, it's like nothing, nothing happened. No. She was just being attacked. And then he stopped the attack. And then she was like, well, I guess I'll fucking die now. Yeah, like just totally just like, ah, and it's over. Like, what? What happened there? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was wild. Uh, I, I I, could not understand, like, what, what they were going for there. They should have at least had something happen, like a stabbing or something, just anything to indicate why she suddenly is like, nah, I'm dead. Yeah, totally, man. And the thing about it is, too, is like her death was totally preceded by the majority of the budget of the movie. I mean, that entire last, uh, that last scene in the morgue there where, uh, the doctor reanimates all those zombies and they come back Uh and everybody's got some kind of horrific wound, like gunshot wounds and burn wounds and all kinds of stuff. Like you just came off of all these amazing, cool, practical special effects. And then it's like, I don't know, maybe he touches her neck and she's out. Like, that was kind of a little (laughs) bit of a letdown. But, man, the scene before that where, like I said, obviously the budget went into really looks great. I think that that entire scene, like, there's all the smoke rolling out and everything there in the morgue. Yeah. And uh, they're fighting all the reanimated corpses and stuff. It looks great. And just in general, I think the special effects in this flick look really good. Yeah, they do. They they look really good. They're done by John Nolan, who... 
worked on a lot of other things, including Critters and Maniac Cop, but oh. also Splash. <laughs> oh, Halloween a little softer. Three. Okay. Ooh, Honey, I Shrunk the, the Kids. Shout out to go. RDM. Biodome. Boom. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they, they're, they really like went through a lot of like pictures of corpses to try to understand the different like stages of lividity and stuff in corpses. And you can tell that by like the way that the big guy, like there's that like sort of bruising all over his back, which is just where yeah, yeah. blood would have pooled from him just laying there. Right. Yeah, they they really like tried to make the corpses look like actual corpses, and it works. I mean, they look gross and scary, and do a great job. Even you know, uh, today looking back on them, knowing it's a small budget and everything, it's like wow, to get those effects on such a small budget, like it's Pretty very very good, impressive. Man. Yeah. From what I understand, they also had an extremely tight shooting schedule for that last scene. Like, they had next to no time to make all that stuff happen, and they still pulled it off really, really well. And that's, you know, there's also all kinds of other great shots in the flick, too, of, like, like whenever uh, there's the shovel kill, the decapitation, Uh it has some real solid, juicy impact to it. Yes. Yeah, I, I, um, watching that, I was really trying to pay attention to what Jeffrey Combs was doing. Cause like he's, he like when he decides to kill Dr. Hill, it, I, I kind of almost pinpointed it as the moment he saw him. Like it's Jeffrey Combs just doing this something with his face. Like you can tell he's about to kill him. But he not, he's not doing anything particularly, like, obvious with his face. And then the, when he's killing him, like, there's nothing in his face but rage. Just pure rage. And then the effect, like, that scene just comes off so, like, amazingly visceral in, in a movie that, as we've said, is like, it's kind of, you know, the, there's some silliness to it. The dark humor and whatnot. But it, like... The, the effect is so real and the way they play the scene is just so real that like I, I feel like it's the most visceral moment in the movie probably because the effect's so good yeah definitely and I love the scene too there where we have uh, Jeffrey Combs getting attacked by like the reanimated just fucking guts that are left <laughs> over like that that again is like what can this reagent shit do like it yeah. makes just parts of a human sentient and or able is to that attack? His psychic powers that he's using? He's like... Who knows, man? <laughs> guts go! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's... I mean, there's just so many really good uh, effects, though. Like, I, I think... Um, I, I Yeah, I'm just really amazed with the time crunch and everything, how they made it all look so good. I mean, you know, a couple things like, say, when um, the Dean gets ripped apart by all the other zombies there at the end that shot obviously with like smoke and in the dark and whatnot and we kind of just like see the shadow stuff yeah. yeah it's still cool like it's, it's like very great. stylized yeah, it looks, I it like looks it. awesome yeah uh and the, you know the the head explosion is shot from a, a good enough distance that i guess the head didn't you know i i couldn't tell if the head looked like him or not but uh it looked awesome when it was yeah, exploding totally yeah, yeah, I liked seeing that head get smooshed. That was okay by me. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I just... 
Yeah. I am in awe of, of some, of, some of these effects that they did them so quickly. Yeah, it is kind of backloaded as far as some of the special effects and stuff yeah. go. I mean, I guess throughout the movie we do have, yeah, the doctor with his severed head and stuff like that. And there's, they have some fun with that where he puts like the medical dummy head on top of himself to sneak in the morgue and all that <laughs> jazz, which is just fun and funny. It is. Uh, all the real big special effects stuff happens at the end, but I didn't really feel myself getting like bored or anything. Oh, no. Throughout the movie. Like, what do you think of the pacing of the flick? I think that it's pretty... Yeah. Pretty brisk without being way over the top. Yeah, I, um... I watched this uh, earlier, just just a few hours ago, on the, um, the elliptical, uh, and made it through the entire movie on the elliptical without really noticing. Because yeah. the movie just really keeps you hooked. It keeps you... It's tight. ...paying attention. You're not, like... Even though some of this, like the the cat scene, is long, it's doesn't feel that way, but it's happening for quite a long period of time. Uh, the the morgue scene where they're fighting with that big dude, way long, but you don't really because of the action the way that it it is paced, it doesn't really feel like it. So yeah, it's just an extremely well paced movie, I think. Yeah, I think so too, man. And there's also some cool stylistic stuff in the flick that kept me interested too. Uh, the intro credits I thought were really sick. Oh yeah, I love all like the like neon colored yeah. graphics and like medical diagrams and shit. Yeah, uh, with that soundtrack that was <laughs> a little familiar. Yeah, maybe Bernard Herrmann's Psycho soundtrack. Uh, would I think it's be similar comparable. to that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe just a little tip of the hat to that. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, there, there's a couple um, Hitchcock references there in the beginning with the Bernard Herrmann sound-alike bit, and the opening opening um, titles, they are very cool, but they're also an uh, homage to the Vertigo opening titles. Word, yeah. But the music, you know, it does come back to that Psycho thing from time to time, but other than that, a lot of it is is a bit different, it seems. Yeah, uh, it yeah. It doesn't always stick with that. But yeah, there there's a lot of homage to Bernard Herrmann's Psycho. I think it's kind of a discredit to the movie that the soundtrack just immediately makes you think of another classic horror movie. Like th- this movie stands on its own two legs more than well enough to where it really deserved its own score. Like I think the fact that it is such a direct ripoff of Psycho and the fact that I guess everybody signed off on it and was like, yeah, cool. Sounds just yeah. like Psycho. Neat. Like, I think that was kind of a bad decision, honestly. I, I do wish that this had its own soundtrack that uh, that stuck with it rather than just imitating something else that already worked in somebody else's movie. Yeah. Yeah. I Again, probably budgetary issue. I know that the... Um the uh the, what do they call that guy composer the guy who composed the the score yeah i know he they like ran over and he ended up putting up like 1500 bucks of his own money to help finish the score and stuff so i assume oh. it was like they just didn't have a lot of time and money to come up with something original but uh, you know the the stuff that isn't exactly a rip off of bernard herman sounds good that's good yeah. stuff but you're yeah, right, I, I like agree. the effect it has at the beginning of the movie to immediately take 
make a callback to a completely different type of movie. Because, I mean, Psycho's a slasher. This is this is not that. <laughs> yeah, man, it's just one of those flicks that, like, I wish that I had more to sit and, like, talk about and really dive into. But I think at this point, if you're listening to this, you should just probably be watching Reanimator instead. Yeah, like, it's on Shudder. Go, yeah, go watch it, it. it's a nice, compact movie that doesn't waste too much time getting super bogged down in needless details and scientific explanations. It gives you some gore. It gives you a little bit of comedy. It gives you a Barbara Crampton. Like uh-huh. it kind of gives you everything that you want out of an '80s horror flick. And Absolutely. like you said earlier, like it's not just a typical '80s slasher. It's more of a sci-fi horror. Would you call it yeah. that? I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I'd say sci-fi horror. I mean, yeah, because um, yeah, we're dealing with uh basically frankenstein like it's it's science fiction but it uh it gets much more into the horror grotesque element than say frankenstein or most sci-fi movies usually do though i mean uh to think to 1985 didn't uh the fly come out around here too so i think you're right man i think a lot of disgust like like gross sci-fi horror was coming around around this time anyway yeah, so it kind of fits into that category. Yeah. So, yeah, I really enjoy this flick, man. It's a good time. It's one that I'll definitely watch, I believe, a couple, two, three more times. If we're <laughs> going to rate this thing before we get out of here, yeah. what are you slapping on this thing, man, on a scale of oh, one man. to ten? It's hard. I, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of it's going to be nostalgic because I do just love this movie and I've had so much a connection to it. But, I, I, I mean, watching it back, I don't see a lot to complain about i mean it, it's t- to hear it was shot in 18 days is just mind-blowing to me yeah. that had to be like so much pre-production planning just and perfect planning that somehow went to plan every single day just, uh, that blows my mind so uh i i think it it is in fact, a, a well-deserving classic, and I, I give it an, a nine. I'd say this Word. is one one of uh, those movies that I can see myself always going back to. Yeah, I get that. I, I echo all that stuff. Um, again, I do wish it had an original soundtrack. Yeah, uh, I do wish that I could see that initial mega long cut of the movie. I do yeah. definitely want to check that thing out and see what all was left on the cutting room floor. Who knows what got thrown against a wall in that final version? Because in this version, there's so much stuff that gets thrown against walls. You get dead cats, you get severed heads, like all kinds of stuff. It just kind of gives me the message that if you're having a problem, if you're having a problem with something, throw it against a wall. Throw it up against the wall, see what happens. See what happens. So, I don't know, maybe in the uh, extended cut, maybe we'll get like bunt cakes getting thrown against walls. (laughs) Maybe somebody throws a toaster against a wall, a spaghetti I think you're squash. bringing the power team back into this. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. A huge block of ice, maybe a baseball <laughs> bat. I don't know, man. Yeah, I definitely enjoy it. I'll watch it. I'll watch it again. It's not one of those that I'll put on any old time. It's not in that category for me, but I think whenever I'm in the mood to see a zombie Frankenstein flick from the 80s, this is going to be a go-to, so I'm going to rate this. I'm going to go a little bit lower than you. I'm going to say a seven and a half. Seven and a half. So seven and a half. That is uh, 
uh, a fair enough and probably correct uh, score. Though, I will always love this movie. It's always got my heart. And maybe if I had the nostalgia factor, I would rate it higher. Maybe. But this is still one that's kind of new to me. So maybe I give it yeah. more to grow on me. And it might just grow up to be a strong, healthy nine. <laughs> one of these days. One of these days. So I look forward to hearing what you guys think about this flick. Let us know about it over on the dead and lovely Facebook and Instagram pages and Twitter pages and all the other pages. Where can they find them? Uh, at dead lovely pod on Twitter and Instagram, uh, facebook.com forward slash dead and lovely. Find us over there. We got a, a great group all over the place. Uh, also Friday nights, we do the Friday night screaming chat, uh, over on the discord where we watch a horror movie on YouTube. We stream it together and we just chat and drink and have a good old time. We just watched Beaster Day, which Beaster was about a, a killer rabbit. <laughs> okay. Uh, go, going back to my gratuitous nudie co- nudity comments. <laughs> this one could have <laughs> used some dicks to balance it out. Okay. The gratuitous nudity was very much appreciated. Thank you all for showing your uh, wonderful boobs or whatever. But uh, <laughs> it really did seem like it at a point, just like throw one dick in there. Then it would be like, oh, cool. Good. Okay. Good. All right. Equal yeah. opportunity nudity yeah. shower. Got it. But uh, yeah, that movie sucked. Uh, <laughs> actually, it was funny. It, it was funny, but still. Whew. Check it out, maybe. Um, anyway, uh, also, patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely head on over yeah. there uh join at any level you get access to our patreon exclusive uh episodes of uh, tv test pilots uh you become a five dollar patron and you throw a movie title into the smoking bowl and once a month we randomly draw from the titles you submit and we review that movie right here on the show with that our talking words mm-hmm. we do we have a good old chin wag about it and it can be your movie for only five smackaroonies to be sure to head on over to that patreon page sign up today that is after you review our show on apple podcast or really anywhere else that allows you to review podcast helps us out a whole lot follow us on those socials and stuff like that to keep up with us and find out what we're going to be reviewing on next week's episode because guess what it's a patreon drawing out of that smoking bowl yep and if you want to know what we're reviewing check out the patreon drawing video that i will post the day after this episode drops boom find out about it fuck around and find fuck out y'all and find out uh-huh uh-huh i hope it's a good one so far we've had a lot of luck with these patreon Man, submissions so i think it's just because horror is an awesome genre and no matter what we draw it's gonna be fun to talk about that's true. What kind of pizza are we going to eat? Let's draw it out of a bowl. Oh, guess what? It's a good pizza. Oh, oh. this pizza's still delicious. You know what? It, that used to be true and until they introduced, like, a lot of things like uh, gluten-free crust. I like some gluten-free crust, but I've had gluten-free crust pizzas that I swear it was like it was like dandelion spores in your mouth. Ugh. Like they Ugh. have found a way to create a pizza that eliminates the old adage that even bad pizza is good pizza. Oh no. Science has gone too far, man. <laughs> too far. Damn it. Too, too far, man. 
So yeah, be sure to tune in next week and tune into those social medias and stuff like that to find out what we will be reviewing next time. I'm sure that it is going to be a winner in Jesus Christ's name. So tune Amen. in to Zown. <laughs> Amen. Praise his name. Well, in the meantime, we've been Uncle Ben. And Hollywood Steve. And you guys have been fantastic. Thanks for tuning in to another installment of Dead and Lovely. We'll catch you guys next time. Goodbye. So I was thinking lately about clothes, some clothing. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. And what I was thinking about is that the existence of what is known as a control top. Right. Also implies the existence or possibility of an out of control top. Right. Yeah. One that's just like always one titty out. Like (laughs) somehow, somehow you can't find the second sleeve ever. (laughs) You're just perpetually like turning it around and turning it inside out and be like, what the fuck? What, What is this? How, yeah, how do I do this correctly? <laughs> I was also, also thinking, too, maybe you put it on and it's just like all of your contents just start freaking out and like <laughs> jabbing around in every which direction. Like your body's <laughs> just going nuts, you know? <laughs> God damn, this out of control top. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, and that's the commercial, though. That's how they sell it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's the bold new people, trend. Yeah, people see it and they're like, it can't be that bad. I want to try I could this handle out. It. Oh, I could definitely <laughs> handle an out of control top. You kidding me? Then yeah. it becomes a popular thing among the kids. Can you handle <laughs> the out of control top? Oh out my god! Out of control god. top parties are out of control. You're trying to walk down the sidewalk, and you just have all these young people with all their their bits and bobs just shooting around every which direction, like blocking <laughs> the entire sidewalk and smacking you in the face. You get like titty slapped every time you're trying to walk Obviously. the dog or something because these Obviously. kids and they're out of control tops. <laughs> get it out of control, kids! Back in my day, we wore control tops to get this under wraps. Come on, bunch of malarkey.